You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. approach to tackling coronavirus is to prepare for the worst and work for the best. You need a totally different style of leadership. It's not enough to have a plan. You need to be testing, testing, testing. Britain and the EU, do they want to be seen as locking horns on an issue such as a no-deal Brexit when the economy is going to be suffering and people's lives are going to be facing so much disruption? Hello, you're listening to Bloomberg Westminster this Friday, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salik. And a very good afternoon. I'm Roger Hearing. Now we begin with what's going on with the easing of lockdown restrictions in England. Boris Johnson announced new and limited and cautious measures at yesterday's briefing. The Prime Minister said groups of as many as six people from different households can meet outdoors from Monday as long as social distancing rules are respected. These changes mean that uh, friends and family can start to meet their loved ones, perhaps seeing both parents at once or both grandparents at once. And I know that for many people this will be a a long-awaited and joyful moment. And also from Monday, outdoor retail and car showrooms can open. There'll also be opportunity for children to return to nurseries, other early year settings, reception, year one and year six. Uh, And meanwhile, we hear from the Chancellor. He's expected to tell businesses that they'll have to foot some of the bill for keeping staff on the furlough scheme from August. This has been widely anticipating. The expectation is that Sunak is going to ask companies to contribute 20% of employees' salary as we slowly wean off furlough. Uh, But Labour's Shadow Home Secretary Nick Simmons-Thomas is worried it'll lead to redundancies. We've always known that the furlough scheme can't go on forever, but I really do think we need to be extremely careful that we don't uh, ease the measures, if you like, within it without there being a spike in unemployment, because that's a real, real concern. And if you want a measure of that concern, you just have to look today, Seb, at what's come out from Lloyds Bank, their measure of business confidence at its lowest, at the record low, matched only by what happened during the great financial crisis. Yeah, it's not looking good, is it? And the reality is there are some people who, after furlough ends, are not going to have their jobs there. The economy will have moved on. There will be jobs that no longer need to exist in the world we're adapting to. But I tell you what, I was watching the presser last night, uh, Boris Johnson chatting away. And uh, do you know what? I found it quite striking, especially the way the press went in 
question after question. They were just trying to get a comment about Dominic Cummings out of the uh, the government uh, chief scientific advisor and government medical officer, and it just wouldn't happen. It got to the point that Boris Johnson was saying, look, I'm banning you from, from responding on these. Not a good look for the prime minister, but it shows that this story is still just not going away. It's been a week now, and I looked through the papers, the mail, Dominic Cummings on the front page, the story there that he's set to quit in six months. I know that's raising a lot of eyebrows, but he's on the front of the Metro, uh, the Guardian as well, uh, sorry, the, the Mirror. Uh, so it, really, this is a story that has still got a little bit of room to run, I think. Yeah, and there's a lovely cartoon floating around on the UK Politics website, which shows Boris Johnson and his fellow cabinet ministers biggie, big, deep, digging a big deep hole in order to get down to the hole that Dominic Cummings is already in as a way of rescuing him. I think it's a nice analogy as to what's actually happened. But anyway, today we're going to be focusing on one aspect of all this, which I suppose is reflected in the Dominic Cummings story, which is policing. It is how you get people to behave in the way that, frankly, British people haven't behaved in really, or been forced to behave in since the Second World War, in terms of personal restrictions. A change in the guidance now means a certain amount of con even more confusion over exactly what is and what isn't permitted, and that could be problematic for those whose job it is to enforce the rules. So let's get into our special today, all about how you police this. And joining us, I'm very pleased to say, Stephen Mould, Police and Crime Commissioner for Northamptonshire. Stephen, welcome to the programme. Thank you so much for being with us. Just tell us about your experience in Northamptonshire. How has compliance been? How have, how have people been obeying or not obeying these rules? I think for the most part, and thank you and, uh, and good afternoon, uh, thank you the South, I have to say, Northamptonshire public, for the most part, have been really fantastic. Uh, and actually, I saw that firsthand because rather than just kind of read the reports, I actually wanted to go out. So I went out on a kind of couple of different patrols. Uh, and for the most part, people were really, really well behaved. You've still got kind of the odd people. Uh, you know, we, we escorted a, a, a very inebriated lady who had come from another town to kind of visit someone back to a kind of a house of residence but those kind of were the norm and actually Northamptonshire police took a very responsible approach and was very much around kind of like the whole explain piece um and actually where, where appropriate uh really encourage them to to go home uh and actually you know that that proved to work out really well because actually as a consequence of the uh, the notices that were kind of given out there was a, a report done on how many of them were kind of illegitimate if I want to, if the, if, I'm not sure that's the right word, but you know what I mean, that um, they didn't have that legitimacy. And actually they were in really the, the bottom mm. quartile in terms of having them uh, kind of turned over. So the Chief Constable made it very clear, what a very responsible uh, approach to it. And to be fair, the staff have worked well on that, but also fundamentally it's about the people of Northamptonshire being really responsible. Well, Stephen, now looking at the change in the rules, we're going to get larger groups allowed to sit next to each other. Social distancing, of course, still being observed, but in parks, that's going to make it a lot harder for you to work out who is and isn't allowed to be there. Are you going to start taking a step back a little bit from policing these big gatherings? I saw a report yesterday's Times that the National Police Chiefs Council and the Association of Police and Crime Commissioners are telling ministers that now it's personal and a moral responsibility rather than a legal one. Uh, I absolutely, and I concur with that position. It's much more difficult now to, you know, you know try to cross-reference if someone's from a family, have you got six or, or kind of seven. Uh, but in some respects, it's kind of perverse in many ways, isn't it? If if a, uh, 
if a sixty pound fine or yeah, you know, I don't know, it can uh, can go up or hundred pound fine uh, is going to make you do something that actually putting your life. Uh, your own personal and that of your family do, then you've probably got to have a good look at your own priorities. Um, and I think for the most part, that's kind of been the case. It's kind of, the, 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 there has been the, um, the uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, the right word, the, uh, the the ignorant and lazy, for want of a better word, and some of these people that have, that have kind of gone out there and put themselves and people at risk. Most people have been really uh, kind of well-behaved and no one wants to get sick. No one wants to pass it on to another one. And it's kind of some of those that really kind of get, oh, I'm immune. But actually large gatherings, and even, and even where it is, I think there's actually also a lot of fear still in the country. You know, you've got the whole thing about schools going back next week. Uh, I'm funny enough to see that even in my in my own family uh, with young children myself. You're like, yeah, well, I was very nervous about should we or shouldn't we uh, send them back. Uh, and actually, that that that's across the whole of the country, really. So I I, I think, ironically, uh, enforcing it is not the challenge because actually people are going to be kind of like, well, actually, I'm still a bit nervous of going out anyway. But a lot of it, Stephen, is to do with looking, I guess, at what other people are doing and people saying, well, they're doing this and I shouldn't be doing that. I mean, that was, in a sense, at the heart of what the Cummings affair was about and it makes it difficult for the people that you deal with the police officers ha- have they come to you and said look this is getting difficult people are uh, are not you know perhaps even using the Cummings excuse saying well look, Dominic Cummings senior labor senior, senior government advisor does it why shouldn't I have you had those kind of responses uh, honestly no uh, you know it, without being rude obviously the, the there is a the, the, there's some huge discourse of it uh, particularly in the media uh, and I, I'm not getting into the uh, the, the, the the politics or, or the the bit of it. Um, you know, the uh, Durham Police made their uh, comments on it. Uh, no, you know, I think some people would like to have seen some uh, some contrition around that particular one. Uh, but for the most part, no, it's not something we've heard. What about Boris Johnson's general advice to use common sense? Is that? Uh, a framework that you would be applying when you police this? And if so, do people have a, a greater degree of flexibility around what they can and can't do based on that? Yes. I mean, we, we have applied a common sense approach very much around the kind of the engage and explain uh, early on. And of course, you know, all of this came in really, really quickly. So to be fair to some people, you know, it was quite difficult. You know, it all kind of applied very quickly. We've got kind of, we live in a liberal and open society and all of a sudden to kind of go, look, you need to be kind of uh, locked down. Uh, it was a challenge for policing. Normally before things like that are implemented, there's a lot of work done to look at all of the kind of permutations. But these are kind of, uh, you know, uh, exceptional times. And as a consequence of that, uh, people needed to time to kind of adjust. And that's both uh, from a law enforcement and people on kind of the other end of it on it. But in the end, as I said, if making getting a fine does something that uh, uh, putting your life at risk does, then you probably need to look at your kind of own priorities. And I think, like I say, for the most part, you, you I mean, you look at it. We we've got a couple of un, couple of hundred tickets in Northamptonshire. We've got three quarters of a million people, so it's actually a really really small percentage. And some of this stuff needs to be kept in perspective. And Stephen, what about the next stage, briefly, because you've got test and trace coming. Government's talking about people being, you know, enforced that they quarantine themselves under these sort of circumstances. Which that set up a whole new range of difficulties for people trying to enforce that? 
Uh, and absolutely, it, it does. And there's obviously a lot of conversations going on between kind of the government, uh, NPCC, APCC, to kind of try and work through the, the finer detail. Uh, you know, uh, and like I said, some of this stuff is being done at pace. And as a consequence of that, sometimes it's kind of dynamic and adjustments should be made. And actually, and that's right, but it should be, because actually real-life lessons kind of come in uh, and people should be uh, pragmatic. And I, and I think in some respects, the, in, in the, uh, the whole narrative and public discourse, people are actually understanding of that. Because actually, uh, yeah, probably apart from the, the Dominic Cumming saga in recent weeks, we've actually been a really united country that's come together fantastically well you know you've kind of uh, and maybe it was also mm. where you kind of had ve day sort of in the middle you kind of had the, that kind of great yeah. british spirit that's actually kind of come together success is more than a destination it's a path you take one step at a time it's dedication it's fortitude and it's the work passion and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition that's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Let's have a look at what else is making news in the world of politics. We start in Hong Kong, the UK opening a path to citizenship for 300,000 Hong Kong residents. Currently, holders of a British national overseas passport can come to the UK for six months. But Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab says if China continues down its path, they'll change the legislation. They'll lift the cap to 12 months as a pathway towards citizenship. So it's a way that the UK is having its say and making a bit of an intervention in this situation between China, Hong Kong and the US. And perhaps not wholly unlinked to that, according to a report in The Times today, Britain has proposed forming an alliance of 10 democratic countries in order to reduce their reliance on China for crucial 5G wireless technology. The Club of Nations would include the G7 countries, plus Australia, South Korea and India, and the move was prompted by concerns over the dominance of China's Huawei technologies. Oh, that's weird. The UK wants to create an organisation to have stronger political clout overseas. That's very bizarre. Meanwhile, the economy is taking a serious hit from the coronavirus lockdown, wouldn't you know? Business confidence, as you mentioned earlier, slumping to match the record lows in during the financial crisis. This is that Lord's, Lloyd's Bank report, which is worth taking a look at because there's some really dire stuff in there. Economic optimism and hiring intentions declined this month. More than 40% of companies now expect to reduce headcount, i.e. sack people, over the next year. A separate report for manufacturing trade body Make UK showed that a quarter of its members plan to make staff redundant over the next six months. It said a growing number of manufacturers now expect it to take more than a year for the UK economy to recover. So there could be some road to run left still with the economic impact of the coronavirus. Right. Meanwhile, do you remember the gender pay gap? One of the many issues that we used to get very exercised about before we all got locked down. Well, over half of the companies 
have used the virus to avoid reporting their gender pay gap this year. With the pandemic raging, the government waived the requirement for them to do so, and they were given an out of what is usually a public shaming. Half of companies took that route. That's according to the Business in the Community Network. The decision is worrying gender equality advocates who say the UK pay gap has widened to 12.8% from 11.9% a year ago. Now, they cite a widening disparity amongst the employers who did report data as a sign that, well, progress on that issue is backsliding. Hmm. Now, let's talk about liberty. Let's talk about what the last three months has done to our basic freedoms, because all of our lives have been drastically affected by the coronavirus and by the lockdown. When a man, for example, is investigated by police because he drove his car, for example, to Durham, for example, and visits a local beauty spot, is it time to consider if our attitudes towards our rights as citizens will ever be restored to what they were before this all kicked off? Well, joining us now to discuss this is Rosalind Common, who's a policy and campaigns officer at Liberty. Uh, Rosalind, how much should we be concerned here about the space where the police operate in relation to the citizen? Has that changed drastically to the point where we might not get our previous freedoms back? I think it's a really excellent question and one that we should all be concerned by. What we've seen with the government's response to coronavirus is they've established these really sweeping police powers that impose dramatic restrictions on our civil liberties. So it will be familiar with the um, police powers to impose lockdown. So we have to stay at home unless we have a reasonable excuse. We can't gather in groups of more than two people. Um, most businesses or places of worship aren't allowed to be opened. Um, and with such sweeping powers, it's really essential that we have rigorous scrutiny. But when it comes to these powers, parliamentary oversight has been minimal. Parliament has been effectively sidelined from the making and the scrutiny of the powers. Um, and what we've seen during this public health crisis is that handing very expansive powers to the police and broad uh, discretion to them to enforce this um, is a recipe for arbitrary policing and one that I think there's a serious risk may continue afterwards. And at Liberty, we're particularly concerned by evidence of disproportionate use against ethnic minorities um, and concerned by cases of use against homeless people, children, um, and also people experiencing mental ill health. Um, and these expansive powers and the way they've been used really harm communities um, and risk undermining public trust, um, the consequence of which will endure long after the lockdown. But I suppose the counter-argument might be, and I have heard this said, Rosalind, that in this situation, crime has dropped through the floor, that, that we actually are in many ways a safer society, that when, we're, uh, when our actions, even our, our movements around, uh, around the place are restricted, actually there is a bit of an upside in that area and you know, maybe it's a trade-off between our liberty and our safety. It's interesting you, you talk about a drop in crime because actually what we've seen, um, despite the fact that um, you know we've seen a dramatic drop in people being outdoors during lockdown, use of ordinary non-lockdown police powers such as stop and search have surged. So in London, um, the use of stop and search has surged to its highest point in over seven years. Um, and of course, that's acutely concerning, not least because police searches, arrests and detention can actually put people at risk of infection. Um, so I think really what we need to be thinking of is what do, what is are these police powers 
doing to our communities? What kind of harms are people experiencing? You know, 14,000 fines have been issued. At least 14,000 fines have been issued since the start of lockdown. And I think the ethnic disparities, but also concern in terms of the fairness um, as regards how those fines have been handed out, um, it, it is, is really concerning and I think cause for us to all think about the kind of society we want to live in and the extent of power that we're willing to hand the police to kind of um, to limit our civil liberties and to impinge on the way we're used to living our lives. Well, what's the alternative, though? Because we were speaking to a, a police and crime commissioner in the previous part of the programme, and he was agreeing with Boris Johnson's common sense approach. And yes, there are issues with legal certainty there. If the police and the, and the public have different ideas of what's allowed, you're going to run into problems. But how do you lay out these new rules in a quick and clear manner when they seem to be changing by the week because we're reacting to movements in a deadly virus? I think that's a, a huge challenge and it's really concerning. And what we've actually seen as lockdown has been eased. So, you know, the reasonable excuses for leaving home have gotten broader to effectively, you know, a number of police forces have said to be unenforceable. Um, fines have actually increased. So the kind of fines that the maximum fines that the police can impose have now risen from... I think it's £960 to £3,200. So that's a really significant, significant jump, again, without any, um, without, without any parliamentary scrutiny. Um, and so I think what we need to be thinking about is when you have these incredibly vague powers and now with ramped up enforcement measures, what's that going to do for public trust? public trust in the police and their ability to hold the police to account for what they do. And public trust is important because it goes to the heart of public health. And we need um, a response to the pandemic that does prioritise the public health. And I think by handing these sweeping and increasingly vague powers to the police, um, we're really prioritising enforcement over over public health um and i think we can all say you know public goodwill to respond and comply with guidance has been incredible um and i think there's a real risk if the government keeps expanding exemptions and ramping up enforcement that that trust will dissipate what about the test and trace system that's coming in because a lot of people think that's a that's a whole different level of government monitoring of the authorities being able to keep an eye on us obviously again with with regard to health um but it's opening up an area that perhaps would cause further concern i think absolutely there are, are really serious concerns um with test and trace particularly as regards when it's going to be voluntary whether it's going to be voluntary so we talked about um, mostly the police powers to enforce lockdown um, but the government also po um, established a host of powers in the Coronavirus Act um, that give the power, police the power to detain anyone um, they determine is potentially infectious for testing and to um, impose um, a forced quarantine on them for up to 14 days. And at present, the government's saying this is going to be a voluntary, um, this is going to be voluntary. But I think it's really concerning that police do have um, powers to mandate coercion. And it's a criminal offence if you refuse to comply. Um, so we really need answers from the government as regards whether 
um, those powers are going to be used to force compliance with test and trace. Uh, do you think it's right that it's voluntary full stop or would you support any form of legal enforcement? I, I think it's it's right that the government is exploring test and trace and, you know, it may be a way to public health that's less intrusive on our civil liberties than a kind of wholesale lockdown that we've all been experiencing um, and, you know, all know is, is a really significant burden. Um, but we really need guarantees from the government that um, it's not going to be, you, you know, the, por- the police aren't going to be using more intrusive powers to um, subject people to mandatory testing and man- um, mandating them to hand over information, hand over biological samples and other things that are really concerning the on the statute books. Um and in fact, actually, the police have been trying to use these powers already. Um, the Crime Prosecution Service um, conducted a big review of all charges under those powers to date and found that they've all been wrongfully and unlawfully used. Um, so these powers are incredibly expansive. Um, and I think we need to all be watching carefully and, and demanding answers from the government for how they are going to be used. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Success is more than a destination. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a Stiefel Financial Advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE.